Welcome to Menopause Uprising, the Wellness Warrior podcast with me, your host, Catherine O'Keefe. It's January. I thought I had to talk about food in this episode. So today I'm thrilled to be joined by TV chef, mindful eating coach and wellness advocate Ashling Larkin. We're talking about all things food, all things food, food and menopause. And of course, it's a hot topic for January. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. So we're in January and I guess what happens in January? We all kind of think clean, clean out the, the cupboards, get rid of all the chocolate. Well, certainly that's what I've done. I've thrown out all the empty selection boxes and the celebrations and heroes and so forth. But in January, we kind of go extreme when it comes to food and um we kind of set ourselves up, oh, we're going to have, you know, stop eating all sugar, all nice food, and that's it. I'm not a fan of that. Um, I, I've said it before, I'm not really into the whole New Year's resolutions and so forth, because I think to keep change as a constant, it needs to happen throughout the year. And I think one of the biggest areas in relation to that is food and food in January. And Ashling is with us today and we're going to talk about how important food is throughout the year. And really, I guess, as many of you know, I'm not a fan of dieting, um, particularly in menopause. As I often say, you know, I think if I was on a diet, low blood sugar levels, etc., I know my husband would find it extremely hard to live with me. <laughs> um, so, Ashling, thanks a million for uh, coming on today. And... Can we just talk a little bit about the importance of eating mindfully? Yeah, well, I suppose going back to what you said about diets in January, wholeheartedly, I agree. Um, I think I suppose we've been so conditioned by the media and by, you know, diet culture to this is January. You know, as you said, clean eating, no carbs, no sugar, you know, greens everywhere, smoothies for breakfast. And it's just so dramatic. It's such a dramatic lifestyle change that it's not sustainable. You know, what you want to do is start with those positive, healthy habits that are going to be sustainable. And I suppose when you look at things like your overall well-being, it's more than just food. It's food is incredibly important. And that's one facet to all of it. Mm -hmm. And mindful eating is a huge part of that. But it's about that rejection of that diet culture and that pressure that comes. I mean, you know, you think of something like Instagram, you see a snippet, you see a highlight. It's not sustainable. It's not real life. And as soon as somebody says the word diet to you, we all know mm. from 20, 30 years of living with this diet culture, immediately you think about restriction and deprivation. I can't have it. I'm off. Oh, no, take them away from me. I'm not going to eat those now. Put those away. So your brain is already immediately gone into this place of I can't have it. What happens when you're told you can't have something? You want it even <laughs> more than what you did in the beginning. So you're, you're, you're at the back foot already. You're fighting when you don't need to fight that fight. Mm. You know, there's an easier way to do it. And I suppose from the food perspective, it's very much about wholesome nourishing foods that are delicious that are going to taste really good that you're going to enjoy eating if you put a plate of cold iceberg lettuce and cold tomatoes out of the fridge in front of me and you know a bit of cucumber you know the classic i'm on a, a salad for lunch <laughs> diet in january like that's so depressing 
That's mm. soul destroying. That's that's not good for anybody's emotional or physical well-being. So it has to be food that's delicious and nourishing, that's nutrient dense. Mm. I, I know I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and she was saying to me she was in Lidl and all the spinach and the broccoli was sold out <laughs> as it is in January. And I think that's, you know, as you're just yeah. saying, it's that kind of rush for, oh, God, let's get the greens in and, you know, let's go the extremes and um you know if we look at atomic habits or anything like that we know that like you you just have to any change has to be slow but consistent and i think that's why i just kind of say oh january please don't because and even if you think about it from nature's perspective like january is when we want warmth january is when our body craves warmth like the warm bowls porridge the soup etc you know whereas you know, salads are lovely all year round, but certainly different times of the year, your body, you know, likes different types of more wholesome food. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to kickstart with the broccoli and the spinach and, and those habits. But I suppose, you know, do it step by step. So like mm-hmm. take one meal a week. So next week, OK, I'm, you know what? I'm going to transform my breakfast and small things. I suppose I'm a big advocate of what we call the flexitarian diet. So you're looking at a really simple, simple model. There's so many diets out there that you can potentially follow keto paleo atkins well you know i mean pick your pick your number you know pick your one and what happens is most people stick to them for about six weeks so we have our motivation that we can last for about six weeks after that then we have a dip and you really have to deep dive into why am i being motivated to keep going and if that motivation is strong enough you'll pass that you know the 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 break of the six weeks and you can keep going but for most people it's very difficult to continue all of the changes, the water, mm. the no mm. bread, I'm not eating pasta, you know, the classic things that everybody does. And I, I have to have all my vegetables. So if you go back to the simple, simple model of this flexitarian diet, um, it's incredibly simple. Imagine your dinner plate or your breakfast plate, whatever it is. Half of that plate should be fruit and vegetables. Your one quarter should be lean proteins. They don't have to be plant-based proteins all the time. It can be animal proteins. But think good quality animal proteins, think local proteins. And we have so many of them in Mm. Ireland when you think about our meat and our fish and our dairy. So eat all of those and enjoy them. And then the other quarter of your plate should be whole grains. So any carbohydrate that you're eating, think about it as a complex carbohydrate, not your process, not your white, not your refined Mm. carbohydrate. That breaks down too quickly in the body. So you want some slow release. As you said, like your porridge is ideal for that. Here and I guess it's like the brown rice, isn't it? You know, that was one really easy switch. I was surprised I made a couple of years ago and I thought my kids would completely go against yeah. it. But actually, not at all. They'll eat uh, brown rice now, no problem. Um, and it's obviously much better than the white rice. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a simple switch that, that you can make. Totally. So like something like your, your whole grains, your brown rice. You're increasing your vitamin B, you're increasing your fiber. So for things like, you know, even like your gut health, your digestive health, all Mm. of that, as well as keeping you fuller for longer, it's so, so beneficial. And it's one of the things, you know, I think if you were to pick a change in your diet for 2022, increase your fiber. Look at all those little areas where you can increase your fiber. And it's, it's so important and so beneficial, I think. And, you know, as you were saying, the brown rice, even something like swapping up or mixing your brown rice with other grains like your quinoa, your bulgur wheat. So I often get asked about couscous and people say, yeah. couscous, is it better than bread for me? Well, I eat it instead of bread. And you're kind of going, um, it kind of breaks down the same in the body. But why not swap your couscous for bulgur wheat, okay. buckwheat, quinoa, 
those ancient grains are so good for mm. us. They're so nourishing, so wholesome. And mix them even in with your rice. Or if you think brown rice is too far, I'm all about being practical and approachable with this. Go half white rice, half brown rice for the first couple of weeks and then slowly swap it out. And brown, ri- brown rice cooks so much quicker than it used to before. Yeah. It used to take ages to cook. Now, it, you know, it's done in as fast as the white rice. Yeah, and I, what I put in is the tamari sauce. I just put a few little drops of that in and that gives a bit of flavour to the brown rice. And I think that's why my kids eat it anyway. But it's just kind of, as you say, it's just tweaking it so that it's practical. Because, I mean, the, there's no point making making it if you're not going to eat it or your family aren't going to eat it. Totally. You know? and- and one thing you mentioned there was about the B vitamins. So in menopause, um, B vitamins are so, so important um, for hormone regulation, for, you know, for many, many different reasons. So I guess that, you know, brings back the value of the whole grains, um, you know, and how beneficial they can be at this time. What about nuts and seeds? Do you where do you bring that in? Yeah, are they're you? so beneficial. Um and again, when you think about nuts, I think, again, you know, if people go to plant-based diets or, you know, healthy, I'm going to have, and it's, it's one of the classics, you know, I had an avocado and I put a big sprinkle of nuts on top of my salad. You're kind of going, okay, we have to, we have to mind the calories as well, you mm-hmm. know, and mindful eating, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a little bit, but it's not about eating what you want when you want, okay? And I think that's kind of myth number one that we need to bust. You know, you do have you do have to mind the calories and watch the calories and watch the amount of saturated fat, not in a restrictive diet way, but just an awareness to them. Mm. And, you know, a, a small handful of nuts in the palm of your hand is as much as you're meant to have in a, in a portion in a day. And I think people think nuts, oh my God, I'm going to eat so many of them. And from a sensory perspective, when we eat, they give crunch, yeah. they give texture. And most times they're salty, like they're delicious. They're really flavorful. There are lots of umami in them. But just think, even if you were to swap your nuts for some seeds or extra seeds, more seeds instead of nuts. You're still getting the crunch on them, which is really nice. Sprinkle them on top of your porridge, toast Mm. them to release the natural oils. I made a beautiful compote the other day actually to serve with my granola and my porridge in the morning. So you know this time of year, berries. It's hard to get nice, like strawberries are gone out of season. We have them (laughs) up until November, but they're gone Mm. at this stage. But buy your frozen berries, boil them up in a saucepan. So just your bag of frozen berries, about 250 grams, chia seeds, Put in about 50 grams of chia seeds. The chia seeds absorb some of the liquid from the strawberries. They thicken it up to almost form like a jam or a compote. That's it. Chia seeds full of fiber. Again, Mm. super good for you. And then dollop that on top of your granola with your yogurt. Top it with a few of the more hardy berries like the blueberries or the blackberries. Something like that. And use it in a smoothie. Top your porridge with it. And it's gorgeous. And it's Mm. a really good way of getting in. The other way I love using seeds is in pesto. Pesto can be quite high in fat, but if you make your own homemade pesto, instead of using pine nuts, you can swap in sunflower seeds. So you're saving yourself money. They're much better value and you're getting your seeds and less fat. So that's a really good way of using the seeds as well. And seeds, like I'm, a, as most people know, I'm a freak <laughs> when it comes to seeds, um, nuts and seeds. But like you say, nuts in moderation, like I often say, you know, Brazil nut, one a day. Oh, yeah. You're doing really, you, you know, one a day is enough. It doesn't have to be, you know, a pack of them, you know, yeah. so it is. But certainly with the seeds, I mean, they're just mighty heroes in my book. Uh, they're a nutritional uh, storehouse of just brilliant vitamins yeah. for us, you know, and I think it's just we will put in links to your website in terms of recipes people can get etc but I I think it's kind of um, when particularly when it comes to breakfast I think it's just I always say if you can even just one new 
variation of a breakfast um, for even just for a month, like just to switch it up a little yeah. bit, introduce something new. I mean, that is a can be a nice goal for January just to put more effort into your breakfast and having breakfast. So many people skip breakfast yeah. and it's the foundation. Yeah. I'm, I'm oh. such an advocate <laughs> for breakfast. I am cranky without breakfast and for a lot of reasons. Breakfast is so important. And you know, don't stick to the same humdrum every day. You're going to mm. get bored with that. So it's about bringing that variety into it. And the way I would try and break it up is porridge one morning, granola another morning, eggs another morning. Then go back to your porridge. You know, you can have a little bit of fruit, mix in a smoothie another morning if that's what you want. But in your smoothie, put your oats. So get your slow release in there. Don't overdo it on the orange juice and the apple juice because mm. that's where your extra sugars Sugar, are coming yeah. in that you don't see. Um, and like things like that work, even something with your granola. So sometimes a lot of granola can be quite high in sugar. But again, if you make your own yeah. nuts and seeds or the supermarkets, a lot of them have started to stock um, a high protein one. So protein keeps you fuller for mm -hmm. longer. So if you're eating your carbohydrate, combine it with that protein. Um, Greek yogurt. And actually the supermarkets, again, um, it's really exciting to see Greek yogurt normally comes in 0% fat or 10% fat. I'm not a big lover of like low fat foods because yeah. from I've masters in food product development and when companies take fat out, they have to replace it with sugar or with salt or with something else. So have a little bit of fat and fat from a mindful eating perspective gives us this feeling of satiety and satisfaction. It gives us that sense of deliciousness and fullness. So a little bit is fine. Um, but they have Greek yogurt and now it's 5% fat. So I love that. So you're not going for just the 0% fat, 10% a mm -hmm. little bit high. So it's, it's a really nice balance. So it's those kind of ingredients to look out for that are wholesome and nourishing. Yeah. And just changing it up. And just you mentioned there about um, skipping breakfast. Oh, my God, Ashling, I come across this so much um, with um, people in menopause and they are skipping breakfast okay. and it is lethal yeah. it is to the blood sugar levels to your moods it's lethal and it's uh, for many women now there's certainly there will be a minority of women who are actually fine without having breakfast maybe just the way they're yeah. tuned or whatever but for the majority your day is completely changed if you're not having breakfast and what happens is is it's grabbing the quick cup of coffee and that you know keeps you going on a kind of a false energy for a certain amount of time but um of all the meals of the day i think breakfast is definitely the most important because it sets you up for it it does set you up for success but really in menopause it's about balancing the moods it's about supporting your body and getting the protein like yeah. you mentioned is really really important yeah and i think even like from a, the science of appetite and from that perspective they would say that your, your appetite doesn't wake up for at least 20 minutes so in the mornings if your routine is very rushed and it's get up and go 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 you know, and you're trying to get the breakfast into you in the first five minutes and get out the door, you know, you don't feel hungry. So one of the, mm -hmm. the key tenets of mindful eating, I suppose, is that you, you tune into your hunger and your fullness levels. It's okay not to eat breakfast in the first 20 minutes. If you can set yourself up with a very small morning routine that includes a little bit of self-care, a little bit of calm, a little bit of space, and then allow your appetite to work yourself up. I actually had two breakfasts this morning just to talk about the importance <laughs> of breakfast. I left, um, I'm Waterford based, so I left Waterford to travel to Dublin today. And I had my first breakfast this morning at about quarter to five, which was two scrambled eggs on whole grain bread. And my second breakfast was my high protein granola, my Greek yogurt and my berry compote mixed. So like that's how important I value breakfast. That it's, yeah. it's, but it was about tuning into the hunger. I was hungry, you know, after I got up, you know, 15, 20 minutes and I knew I couldn't last the whole way through the day. So 
I suppose a really good tip for people at this time of year is, you know, we're so socially conditioned and we've been trained to eat at a certain time of day. And yes, absolutely eat breakfast and eat in the morning. But if your morning, you know, it doesn't have to be 6.30 a.m. or 7.30. It can be 9.30. If you need Mm -hmm. to push it out because you don't feel hungry, that's okay. But don't skip that meal. Just don't Mm -hmm. skip it and tune into your hunger and your fullness level. So a really lovely technique, I suppose, is just it's a little bit of visualization. So just close your eyes, close your fist and just hold your fist over your stomach and then just breathe in and then just count and just (sighs) on a scale of one to ten. How hungry do I feel right now? 10 being the most hungry you've ever felt <laughs> and one being well I'm full I actually just had my two breakfast so I'm fine <laughs> and then five is is this neutral position okay and five is I suppose mindful eating is very much about introspective awareness okay and it's about looking inside and listening and hearing and feeling what your body is trying to tell you how do I know I'm hungry so when you're neutral, it's like, you know, your heart. Your heart is in there beating all of the time. You're not aware of it until somebody says, take your pulse. And you feel the beat and you go, oh my God, yeah, my heart is beating. You, your bladder is working all the time. You're not aware you have a bladder until you need to pee. Mm-hmm. And hunger is the same. You're not aware you need food or you need hungry until you feel. So what do you feel? So it begins with those rumbles and the grumbles, the little gnawing. That's your cue. That's your, that's moving from neutral five, which is I feel nothing, to number six, number seven. Oh yeah, actually, you know what? I am hungry here. I actually am. Number six, you feel the rumble, the grumble. That's when you kind of go, I've got a 20 minute window. I need to eat now. I should eat within the next 20 minutes. And bring yourself to that place. If you go beyond that place, hangry, you know, you're going to eight <laughs> and nine on that scale. You're irritable. You're cranky. You can't concentrate. You're, if someone's talking to you, like, well, stop talking to me. I just need to eat. I'd get me to the mm. fridge. Get me food. Get me something. So it unsettles your whole mood, your whole being, your whole mm. feeling for the day. So I suppose it's the most, actually, it's the most basic of all of the, the mindful eating tips. But it's check in on your hunger and your fullness levels. And then how full do I feel right now? And I think just coming out of Christmas, we can all acknowledge the fact <laughs> that on a scale of one to 10, a lot of us could have spent a few days up there on the eight, the nine and the 10, you know, mm. at 10 mm. o'clock at night, Christmas day, you're opening the button on the pants. You're like, <laughs> I am going to have that turkey sandwich, even though I don't need it. Um, so that's, that's your hunger and your fullness levels. And I suppose it's as simple as if hunger is not the problem, food is not the solution. You know, Mm. your body will tell you when you need energy. Your body knows when it needs replenishing energy, when it needs fuel, and it will tell you. And your hunger Mm. gnaws Mm. and little rumbles, that will tell you. So it's Mm. about listening to your body and listening to your instincts. I love that. And that ties in with the fact, I mean, everyone's rushing around. You know, we're nearly, as you said, we're being conditioned that busy is good and now I know where there is a big movement to busy isn't good and you know multitasking isn't good particularly in menopause I'm forever saying it single tasking is better but if you can just stop and check in with yourself Mm -hmm. aside from hunger or anything you're actually just taking a little bit of respite which is so important isn't it and it's marrying the two together the Catherine that's it exactly it's it's that's it in a nutshell mindful eating is supposed to give you the the definition it's about bringing a non-judgmental awareness and a curiosity to the present moment of eating to be present Mm -hmm. when you're eating to focus on that one single task of eating to savor the food to enjoy the food to be present with the food and 
if you Google, you know, mindful eating, how to eat mindfully, you'll get all these top tips like drop your knife and fork, turn off your phone, don't look at the TV, no distractions. Yes, like that is, that's it on a very basic top level, I suppose. But, you know, how do you do it sustainably? How do you do it every day? And it's about creating a little bit of space. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's about quieting. We all have our monkey mind or our Mm -hmm. chattering mind. So it's the busy, busy. It's the go, go, go. It's the, you know, dealing with the emails, listening to the dog barking, remembering that I forgot to put on the load of washing. It's, It's all of those things. And you can't, when you have so much noise in your brain at that top level, you can't even begin to think or to hear or to feel what your body is actually trying to tell you. So it's about creating that moment of space. And how do you, how do you get that space for yourself in this really busy world you take a breath okay so mindful eating is based on meditation um and to ask everybody to sit silently and meditate over their breakfast lunch and dinner seven days a week well let's face it that's not going to happen for any of us (laughs) so how do we make it real you take a breath one deep solemn breath can be a meditation all that's doing is imagine it like a little brain break imagine if you were running on a treadmill for you know 15 hours in a row 10 hours in a row you just want to stop. You just want to give your legs a rest just for one minute. Mm. Then, okay, I'll keep going again. You need to give your brain a little break. You need mm. to give your mind a little mm. rest. Take that breath, create that space. And within that little moment, within that space, that space is everything. That space is your power. That, that gives you your empowerment. It gives you your choices. It gives you everything to make the right decision. Because you can take that breath and all of a sudden, you the basics, tune in. Okay, do I feel hungry? No, I don't. Okay, so I want something but it's not food. I don't need food right now. I need something else right now. And it's not food. Okay. Take that breath. What do I feel right now? So mindful eating looks very much so at our triggers and our cues. What triggers us to eat? Why do we want to eat when actually now we've established, okay, I'm not hungry, Mm. but what is it? What is it that I want? I want something. I know it's not food I need, but it's food I want, but what else do I want? What else can I use? That space just gives you the time to respond rather than react. So you're standing at the fridge, you're starving, you've had a mental day, you just you want to escape the noise and the everybody and you're hungry and you want something nice and oh, it's been rotten and you know, you're eating for the biscuits or you're putting on the cup of the kettle and you're having a cup of coffee and I'm going to have two nice chocolate biscuits with this and actually, you're not hungry at all, but you need something. So the power that mindful eating holds for people is that it allows you to figure that piece out. Okay, mm-hmm. so now I know, it, I know how to figure out if it's hunger, I know it's not hunger, so what is it? What is triggering me to eat? What's the cue that's making me want to eat in this moment? And this is where so many people I work with, the problem comes in because it's that mindless snacking or it's the grazing. They might have the meals down and okay, I understand how to prepare a nice balanced meal and scratch cooking, but it's that piece. And mm. how do you how do you trap that? So, uh, you know, I'm really excited to share some tips with you on that actually because yeah, it's really important. Yeah. Uh, because I think one of one of the things is is that where, you know, what are the triggers? Because mm-hmm. you can, again, look at any stage in life, but it is very common in the perimenopause and the menopause years that there can be a lot of emotions. There's a lot of hormonal um, changes happening that create an emotional change as well. And often it may not be food you need. It might be a hug. It might be a walk. It might be just to escape the world for a few seconds. And it's kind of just being able to take that pause that you can actually sit with. Okay, well, actually, I don't need food right now. And, you know, the snacking, um, the evening snacking, 
is a big one. I mean, I, I'd say it's on a daily basis. I would get a, an email from a woman just basically saying, you know, please help the sugar cravings, nighttime snacking can't stop. And, you know, it's habit and it's just trying yeah. to, as you say, look at the triggers and kind of work back from that. Yeah. And there's a, I get that one as well. And it's, it's absolutely huge. And I think what happens is, you know, we wake up in the morning and we're motivated and we start with a clean mm-hmm. sheet and we've got our goals and OK, I can do this and I can have my healthy breakfast and lunchtime. Yeah, things are still going OK and I'm good. And you've, you've got energy, first of all. So you've slept for eight hours. So you're, you know, in terms of ultimately it comes down to self-care. OK, and your self-care, when your self-care is high, your coping skills are high. Mm-hmm. When your coping mm-hmm. skills are high, you can you can tackle the craving. You can deal with it when it comes and when it hits. Um, but I suppose to look at the triggers for, for that classic evening time one, what are the classic triggers that lead you to that? Your day has gone on, you know, you're sitting down, the work is done for the day. So number one, it represents rest and relaxation. It mm-hmm. represents that escapism from the world. I'm home now, I'm safe. I don't have to look at anybody or talk to anybody. You know, you can just... I'm in my PJs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the hair is up in a bun and whatever else, and it's all relaxed and easy. Um, the other thing is, if you felt like you've been very good all day. I've been good today. I didn't have the bread with my soup. I, you know, it's fine to have the bread with the soup, but I didn't have that. And I was very good all day. I deserve a reward. And this mm. is where food comes in. We've been conditioned to believe from childhood that food is a reward. You were a great girl. You got a great score on your test. Here's a bar of chocolate. Or you were great at that football match. Come on and we'll go and have a treat. Or you fell and you hurt your knee when you were two years old. Here's a lollipop. That's going to make it all better. (laughs) So what did we learn? We learned that Mm. food is soothing. We learned food is comforting. We learned food is reward. And at eight o'clock in the evening, when the day is done, you deserve soothing. You deserve reward. And ultimately, we've associated food with that. So we've got to replace the food with Mm. something else. And I'll come on to that in a second. But I suppose the other triggers that we we suffer hugely are things like... um, we're trying we don't just have stomach hunger we have eye hunger we have nose hunger we have mouth hunger which are all legit things we also have cellular hunger um so cellular hunger is your your cells physically want something check in on your hydration levels maybe mm. it's actually water you need not food and i know we've all heard that a gazillion times but genuinely just maybe mm. it's water you need first mouth hunger um your mouth gets bored it's that simple if you're sitting watching tv and your mouth is doing nothing. You're not talking. You're not anything. Your mouth gets bored. Your mouth seeks stimulation. So something like if you're somebody who nibbles on the top of the pen a lot, it's a sensory. It's, it's, it's all sensory and it's sensory input. Um, but be aware of that. Maybe you are somebody who chewing gum will work for. Or if you're going to have a snack, rather than having something smooth and creamy like a yogurt, actually you might really benefit from your satiety and to get that satisfaction from what you are going to choose to eat. Choose something really crunchy, really nutty. Maybe it's a bowl of ice cold milk and crunchy nut cornflakes. Or maybe it's a breadstick or, you know, something hard and crunchy. Maybe it's a, you know, fox's glass, your mint. Something that's crunchy that gives you that input into your jaw and into your mouth. So sometimes it can be mouth hunger. And if you are going to eat something, it's not about not eating, but it's about choosing the thing that will give you the satisfaction that your body is craving. Um, The other one is nose hunger. So obviously we smell. And as I said, mindful eating is about awareness. So if somebody else in the house decides that they're going to cook a, I don't know, a pot noodle or they're going to bake a batch of brownies at half eight at <laughs> night or cookies coming out of the oven and you're smelling going, oh my God, I really want one of those. Check in on your hunger. Am I hungry? No, I'm not. Is this what I need? No, it's not. Why? Why do I want that cookie? 
I want it because I smell it and it smells delicious and my brain is being triggered that I want dopamine and I want all of these amazing things. And that's just, it's awareness. Just mm. be, you empower yourself with the awareness to make the right choices. Um, eye hunger, obviously, same as nose hunger. You see, see food, want food. Prepare your environment at home. They say mm. that we are so influenced. Our, our body shape, our body size, our weight, all of that is determined by five kilometer radius of our home. So think of the places that you eat and what you eat, where you shop, the restaurants you pass by on your commute to work, all of these things that that hugely influences how we eat and what we eat. So that's another one to check in on. And then we obviously go into things like your emotions. Be- before yeah. we do that, because you've hit on a gem there that yeah. I know many women will be like, oh, my God, mouth hunger. Because what's the biggest snack that most women in menopause go for at eight, nine o'clock at night? I can tell you it's, it's crisps, 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 chocolate go. as well. But I would say I'd say probably crisps top the chocolate yeah. by maybe 10 percent or something. But so that's a crunch thing, mm-hmm. right, isn't it? So that's where. So in that case, would you say what would be a good replacement? So say it is eight o'clock at night and mm-hmm. instead of reaching for the crisps, what would you say? Would yeah. it be your seeds or? Yes, absolutely. Um, chickpeas are a great okay. one. Roasted, toasted chickpeas. I actually just posted this recipe on my Instagram last week. Um, it's honey chili roast chickpeas. Mm. So again, as you said, uh, and 100%, the crisps and the nuts are uh, such a great one. Um, and it's exactly that. It's the sensory preference. So I, I trained as a, a feeding therapist. I went to the States um, and trained over there. And th- that's something that we don't account for when we talk about the satisfaction and the satiety mm. that we get from our food. Some people love cool, creamy foods. Some people like warm foods. Some people prefer cold foods. Some people like f- their fruit. Do you like your fruit in a fruit bowl or do you like it from the fridge? Mm, fruit bowl. Definitely. Fridge, 100%. Wow. Yeah. Don't like, I'm looking at apples on a, if an apple is at room temperature, I don't want to eat it. If an orange is at room temperature, I don't want to eat it. I love cold foods. I don't have any of my drinks without ice in them. So I'm really attracted and I get satiety from cold foods and from crunchy foods. I know other people love smooth, creamy foods. They love warm foods, room temperature That's foods. me. I'm definitely warm, room temperature, definitely. So, so that's amazing. And I suppose it's that. It bring the awareness, even if you take nothing else from this, to that. What foods do you like the most? What foods bring you the most satisfaction and discernment? That's a key part of mindful eating. Quality over quantity. Okay. So if you are going to have the peanuts and we'll go back to them, right? Mm. And let's say you don't do the chickpea thing. Buy the best peanuts you can buy. Okay. Have the most delicious ones. Take them. So I always say to this, when you're preparing food at home, pretend like you're in a restaurant, prepare your meal, you know, your salad Mm. or your peanuts, whatever it is. And before you sit to the table, put away you know, the ingredients that you've been using, the cheese, the pasta, the bread, the butter, whatever it is at lunchtime. Because if you eat your lunch and they're all still there, when you go back to tidy up, you're going to be nibbling, nibbling, (laughs) nibbling, nibbling. Put them away. Pretend you're in a restaurant. When it's gone in a restaurant, it's gone, essentially. So do the same at home. And when it comes to your peanuts at eight o'clock at night, put them in, don't bring the bag over to the couch. Put them in a small bowl. Have a beautiful looking bowl, a really nice bowl. And I know people laugh at me when I say that so often. The vessels that you eat from are so important and how they look and how they feel and are they beautiful and it makes the occasion of eating more special. So that's what you want to do. If you're going to have them, make it be the best experience you can. If you're going to have the glass of wine, buy really good wine. Have one glass Mm. of delicious wine. Mm. Have it at the right temperature. It's those kind of things. Mm. Um, And as I said, if you're looking for a replacement, peanuts are obviously really high in fat, really high in salt. Chickpeas, 
take them, put them on a tray, a little bit of honey over them, a little bit of chili or, you know, something like a Chinese five spice, um, chili salt, something like that, turmeric, cumin, roast them off in the oven, 180 for about 12, 15 minutes. And you have these really crunchy little, like they replicate peanuts, but they're high in protein. So okay. they're going to keep you fuller for longer yeah. and much lower in saturated fat. Brilliant. That's on your website. And yes, we'll on my Instagram. That. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fab. God, that's a great one. Because I definitely know the crisp thing and the chocolate thing is, a, is another one. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec. I love what you say, Ashling, about the vessels because I'm huge into, um, oh, yeah. oh my God. Um, uh, there's a fabulous, you know, the gifted fair in the RDS. Yes. I go every year, but uh, Dunbeacon pottery um helen i think she's down in cork she was amazing um pottery and that's what i have my breakfast from my mug it's from and i love it because i just love the vessel yeah. so i'm totally with you on oh, that one totally <laughs> you know for potters yeah and i like that i have little bits like that yeah and they make all the difference yeah yeah it's just it's it's a small thing and these they're they don't have to be expensive it's just i think it's just carving out in a way it probably rounds itself back to self-care because you're doing something nice for you you're taking the time to make the chickpeas you're putting them in a nice bowl you're going to sit down at the end of the day you're going to enjoy them yeah. you know so it's all a kind of a you're being nice and good to yourself, you know. Totally. Um, just can we just talk about the sugar cravings? Because mm-hmm. um, obviously this is a big one um, for many people and it comes up a lot in menopause and particularly around chocolate. Um, any tips there that you could give us? Yeah, I would say again, leave that mindset of I can't have it. OK, you can have it. Absolutely can have it. But... You need discernment, quality over quantity. So if somebody says, have two chocolate biscuits. Okay, chocolate biscuits on average about 70, 80 calories, depending if you're eating one of those bigger cookies, you're up on 200 calories for one of those alone. So choose your calories wisely. Choose your chocolate wisely. For me, I have a very specific brand of chocolate. I have a very specific one that I love and adore. And actually, I don't care about the rest. And I do. I have my one square. I have my two squares every day try and mm. have your darker chocolate obviously mm. if you can mm. but if you don't like it and you're eating it and it feels like a punishment <laughs> don't eat it eat the one or the two squares of your really good chocolate quality over quantity and savour it and then if you're trying again to swap out that chocolate habit for something a little bit more sustainable um, and again actually I just did this recipe at the weekend I, I made you know power balls energy yeah, power yeah. balls some of them though are very dry and they can be a bit over healthy so you want something that's my, my whole approach is one step closer to healthy i'm not going yeah. to the extreme of healthiness and greenness it's about one step so making those mm. better choices all the way and they're beautiful pecan and chocolate energy balls so they're pecan nuts oats peanut butter um they've got a little bit of vanilla in them blitz them all up roll them into balls and then what i did was i coated them in really beautiful 70 percent, really good quality dark chocolate so now, for my brain, when I want that chocolate fix, A, they've got slow-release energy in them. They've got my oats. They've got my natural mm. sugar because they're made with dates. Um, so dates are like nature's caramel for us. They're, they're, so there, is it still sugar? And like, don't, you know, these aren't like low-fat. They're not, mm. but they're a natural treat. That's how you need to look at them. Um, so you've got your slow-release energy from your oats. You've got your natural sugars in them. And then I've coated them in a really thin layer of chocolate. So now immediately, my brain sees chocolate. I'm getting my chocolate, I'm having my snack, but it's going to keep me fuller for longer. And it's just that one step closer to healthy. So that can be a great one. So you're 
resolving the eye part there exactly. and the hunger part. Very yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I guess so with chocolate. Right. So I went and I tried the 90 percent. Oh, my God. I just it's too bitter. Did, too, too bitter. Too, way too bitter. There's no enjoyment. I in went that. to 85, was getting nowhere. I've settled at 78 and that's what works for me. And I like you, I have two squares every night with my cup of mint tea. And that's my little that's yeah. my treat, you yeah. know, um, and I actually find I find with dark chocolate, actually, for for me anyway, two squares is enough. You actually wouldn't want the third because you just wouldn't. I think however it fulfills you or whatever, or maybe it's just my habit. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> it, it is. It is that satiety. You definitely do get more satisfaction from less mm. of the dark chocolate, but but only if you if you like it and you enjoy it. You yeah. know, and that's yeah. that's the piece, you know, yeah. I think that's really important and. It's it goes back to that deprivation, I suppose, and not feeling deprived, because as soon as you feel deprived, that's it, you know. And then what happens is we put ourselves on this. The the plan we're following or the diet we're following is is on the pedestal. And this is what I have to do. And this is the holy grail. And I have to follow it to the letter. And what happens? You, you, You have one bad day. You have one bad mistake or error or, you know, I didn't follow it. And then what happens? you fall off the wagon and it's this place of, well, I was on the wagon, now I'm off the wagon and I was doing really well and now I'm not doing really well. And ultimately what we do is we create a negative feedback loop in our brain telling ourselves that I'm a failure. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't even do that. Like anybody listening to this who's ever done a diet before, chances are you're probably not still on the diet you started 20 years ago. And (laughs) chances are it probably worked maybe for a little bit and it didn't. So like, when are we going to learn? They Mm. don't, that dramatic restriction doesn't work. It's not the way forward. And when you begin to fall off the wagon or, you know, you make a mistake, we go to this place of catastrophic thinking where it's very much about, you know, well, I failed. Well, I couldn't do it. And we become it's that negative self-talk. Mm. We become really hard. That inner critic comes out and we're we're our own. You know, we're the hardest on ourselves and you couldn't even do it. And imagine you couldn't stick to that for, for, for one week and you couldn't even do it for one day. And then that leads to us like feeling awful about ourselves. So I, another key tenant of mindful eating is very much self-forgiveness and self-compassion. Mm. They're huge mm. to all of this, that you did your best. And I, I, I suppose I often say this about myself openly is that I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um, and by recovering, I mean, I work at it every day because I have to. And it's just my nature. And it's it's something that mindfulness brought to me that I, I brought the awareness to that. And as a perfectionist, you have a plan. You want to stick mm. to it. You're going to measure every gram. You're going to do it really, really well. And ultimately, then some curveball comes along. You fall, you know, off the diet plan or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And, and all of a sudden it's ruined. Well, that's it. It's, it's totally ruined now. And why would I go back to it? And I can't. Whereas actually, from a mindful eating perspective, stop, pause, take that breath and just say to yourself, and that's OK. Yeah. And that's OK. It is one of the most powerful, mindful resources and sentences I can give you when it comes to that. And that's OK, you know, mm. and just accept that it has happened and move on. We make between two and three hundred food choices every single day in our brain. You've got loads more options to keep going <laughs> to get the next one right. You'll be OK. So don't don't lead yourself to that place of catastrophe. Think of like, how would you speak to your to your friend? You know, and it's 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 very much that it's hugely important. Mm. I, I, self-compassion. I mean, God, that's a whole other uh, podcast yeah, for sure. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's one thing. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I find, look, we all learn different things as we go through life. But if there's one thing over the last number of years, 
I have really learned is self-compassion. And I think because it's probably because I work with so many women who are so hard on themselves, whether it's because of their menopause symptoms or it's because of food or diet or emotions or it's 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 just something that I think in a way, I think we kind of the word it, maybe it's 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 used lightly yeah. um, and I don't use it lightly no. because it's so important. It really is the like the the like just say, for example, a very typical one that I would hear is from many women would be like, oh, I've had to give in. I've had to go on HRT and they're beating themselves up yeah. over this. And it's kind of like. That's so should not be the case, yeah. you know, and, and I think, like you say, it, it happens every single day. So, yeah, self-compassion is uh, definitely. definitely. And like there's that acceptance piece around menopause that you are going to store like your body is changing. It's a mm. whole other phase. Mm. You're going to store, you know, more fat around your belly. And that's yeah. it's, it's kind of OK. You know what? I have to accept this. It's not an excuse but it's a it's a fact for most people. So it's like, OK, well, this is a new phase. This is a new stage. This is something that we have to deal with. But you know what? It's 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 OK. It's it's that mm. self-compassion piece that you're you don't have the same body that you had when you were 20. You know, it's <laughs> it's an entirely different thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it is. It's it's sitting with the change. Um, we're not good with change. Yeah. Humans aren't good with change. Life is change. Menopause is change. And I think that's one of the ways that you can change your trajectory through menopause is actually accepting the changes that happen in your body. And it's accepting them with compassion because it's also embracing them, you know. So that's a it's a big part of the perimenopause into the menopause years. Definitely. That whole acceptance of, of change. And I think gratitude comes from that. And that's another one of the key pieces of mindful eating is you know, when you're looking after your, your self-care, it is a whole new phase. It's a whole new ways. You said you have to change what self-care looked like, you know, even three years ago for, for any of us, you know, might have been a oh, hashtag. I'm heading off to the spa for the day and this is what self-care is. Actually, well, OK, probably can't go to a spa now and there's a million <laughs> other reasons why we can't get there with COVID and all of those things. So we very much had to reframe our approach to what our wellness is, mm. to what our lifestyle is mm. and to some of us, you know, have transitioned into a whole other phase of life we know from when COVID started to now and it's it's all of those things but the the gratitude piece and I think gratitude can help so much to reset your mindset and mm. your frame of mm. mind and you know no matter when how bad things are you can just okay, can be, be really grateful two things two things I'm grateful for today and it just it's incredible the power of it and from that mindfully be grateful that we got to this stage be grateful yeah. that I've had these years be grateful that I'm still here be grateful that I have the health I have and sometimes we can get caught up in in the moaning and the groaning a little bit and I'm hands up you know I have to reset with my gratitude mm. I, I, I'm a huge fan of gratitude I, I do every day yeah, every single day um, in the morning and before I go to bed because I just know how powerful it is and even on that Ashling, like I always say natural menopause is a privilege yeah and because of the challenges that come with the earlier forms of menopause um or other types of menopause so i think that is even gratitude for okay many people might point a gun at me now but <laughs> it's like for the hot flushes i know they can be really challenging but if it's natural menopause it's a very different experience to the other forms of menopause you know so we can look for gratitude in the smallest things for me sometimes it's because i've had a shower maybe i've had a cup of tea maybe i've had 
peace for two minutes, <laughs> whatever it is. No. But I think it's finding it in the small things is really important, you know. Um, just in terms of when you talk about mindful eating. So let's just say, you know, you are sitting down to have your breakfast, your lunch, you know, what whatever mm-hmm. meal of the day it is. And you have taken that time to, you know, to breathe and just check where your hunger levels are at. Is there... M- anything else people should be aware of when they're eating and and you know i get the you know not having the phone in front of you but is there other things that you would say just to bring into play that we haven't already mentioned yeah there's a couple of things i suppose um we have something called um eating your first mindful bite so again it's about practicality and in an ideal world when you're eating mindfully you've got your beautiful plate of food in front of you just take a minute like not even a minute take five seconds and just look at the food just actually look at the colors smell the food as you take the food just bring it up to your nose and actually smell the food appreciate that either you've put your hard work time and energy into creating this plate of food or somebody else has Mm. for you and Mm -hmm. again it comes back to that gratitude piece you know take a moment to appreciate and I know I know this is just pushing the boundaries of the meditation and the mindfulness a little bit but just hear me out on it be grateful and appreciate you know the farmer who grew the food the sunshine that was needed and the rain to to produce Mm. this beautiful food the person who created this food for you the love that was put into this food for you and and just appreciate those things and then when you do actually physically go to eat we spoke earlier about mouth boredom when we're eating something like a big bowl of pasta um we get bored we don't realize we get bored First mouthful, oh my God, this is delicious. This is absolutely delicious. Oh my God, this is so good. Second mouthful, num, 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 delicious. Third mouthful, oh, yum. Fourth, yum, yum. Fifth, hmm, what was that on the news? What happened? What did he say? What's going on over there? <laughs> and all of a sudden you're, you're distracted and your focus goes. Why? You're kind of bored of the food that's in front of you, even if it's delicious. So something like changing up the structure of your meal. So rather than having one bowl of pasta, have a, smaller portion of your pasta and have a crunchy cold salad on the edge or maybe it's a piece of have less of the pasta and have a little piece of you know warm toasty garlic bread with butter on top or whatever it is that you want to add with your food but have a couple of different smaller elements to the meal to keep you interested as you eat and that's something that we we forget so you know if it's something like a shepherd's pie something Mm -hmm. as simple as that we've got our meat we've got our veggies we've got our lovely potatoes on top have an extra thing on the side that's going to keep you interested. Maybe it's some lovely steamed green vegetables or something like mm. that. So I think that's a really good one when mm. it comes to the eating part. Um, when we look at cravings as well, I suppose another really important point to, to remember is that cravings, I, I often talk about them like contractions, you know, in labour. They're like a wave. So they're going to come, you're going to have a peak of that, con- of that contraction or that craving. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to wane a little bit. And it's about the awareness. It's about hearing that today and knowing that when that craving for that food comes, be be prepared for it. It's going to come like a wave. You're going to have your peak (laughs) and then it's going to go. So that peak for most people lasts for about 90 seconds. So if you can write it out for those 90 seconds and, 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 and just not reach for the biscuits or the cake or the crisps, then you've got a really good chance of, of overriding that craving. If that craving is coming from, you've decided that it's not physical hunger and you're kind of going, okay, you know what, this is something else. I, I, what, what do I need here? And you've determined that, okay, it's, it's not physical hunger. This is an emotion. This is sadness. You know, I had a really mm-hmm. 
horrible day at work today and I'm so stressed out by that email and the presentation that's coming up. There's a brilliant mindful technique that's called RAIN, R-A-I-N. So the first one is recognize. So you're recognizing, what is this? Okay, it's not physical hunger. This is stress. This is pure stress today and that's exactly what's going on here. It's about acknowledging that. Okay, I do feel stressed. I'm trying so hard this year Mm. to not allow that stress into my world, but actually Mm. I acknowledge that stress is here. I investigate it. So what, what caused that stress? You know, someone said such and such a thing. I've got the big presentation tomorrow. I'm worried about someone in my family. Just investigate it, mindfully investigate it, just with that non-judgmental curiosity and then non-identify. So the N is non-identify with it. I am not stressed. This stress is coming. It's coming into my body. It's coming into my world. And it too shall pass. It will go Mm. again. Mm. So identifying that I am not the stress right now. This is a moment. This is a a feeling. Yes, it's here. Sit with the discomfort of it. Accept that it's happened. You mightn't like that, but accept that Mm. it's happened. And then know it will go away. So if you can just ride it out for those couple of minutes and then to balance that and to counteract that when those things do happen, you need to have your self-care toolbox ready. So what is in my self-care toolbox that I can reach for instead of food in that moment? Mm. So what am I going to go for? My top ones, and this is your, your basic checklist every day that you, you have this. And if you have these 10 things in your basic checklist, the chances that your coping skills are going to be so much higher and you're not going to reach for that sugary snack is so important. So number one, did I get my sleep? Yeah. Did I get my hydration? Did I get my fresh air? Did I get my food? Have I been nourished with some food and I'm not starving or hungry? Um, did I get some form of creativity today? Did I use my brain in a way that was creative? So I was zoned out from mm. work, but it was creativity. Did I get mental stimulation? Did I have social connection? Did I have a connection with nature? Like none of those things are complicated. None of them Mm. are going to cost you any money. Mm. But if you can check a list and tick those off and make sure that I have each one of these, that it's amazing the power that will do for helping you to cope. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, and and everything you mentioned there, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> they're, they're all things I talk about the whole time. And water, oh my God, I'm forever putting videos up on Instagram of kind of just water anywhere <laughs> to remind people, you know, water, drink yeah. it. Because one big thing in menopause uh, that we'd see is brain fog. Yes. And dehydration has a huge impact on memory and concentration. So it, I'd often find, you know, when a woman starts to increase her water intake, it can have a positive uh, results in relation to brain fog so which, which is which is really really good um, just to finish up Ashling, top three tips maybe you'd give us I know we've covered a lot that yeah. you'd like to give um, I would say I suppose first of all you know be sustainable be realistic about what you're going to change from a mindful eating perspective take that breath just take mm. that breath mm. that breath is your power that's your choice that's your everything so just take that breath you deserve a moment to Allow yourself to hear, to feel and to think what your body is trying to tell you to make the right decision for you in that right moment. Um, remember your your craving. It will come. It will go. And then that rain technique is really, really good, I think, as well. Brilliant. And sorry, I didn't mean to say that 90 seconds. I mean, that's a gem. Mm-hmm. That is a gem. Yeah. So for, for anyone listening, when you have that chocolate or the, the crisp craving or whatever, just think about the 90 seconds. And, yeah. uh, and distract. If that doesn't work, distract. <laughs> and then come back. And if it still doesn't work, then have the chocolate and savour every bite of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. When you do have it, as you say, it's to enjoy it. 
Uh, that was fantastic, Ashling. Great nuggets of information there. So thanks a million. And we'll share, I think, a fair few of your recipe links and everything um, in the notes so everyone can have access to those. Brilliant. Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. It's a pleasure. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you.